0: Welcome to the Red Rain Podcast. Here is your host from Revenge of the Birds, Walter Mitchell. Thank you,
1: Kyle Little Rock Ledbetter. Who's San Diego Padres are the talk of California and the West Coast right now? Hooray for them! Uh, and. Welcome back Cardinal fans, whose Cardinals are now in the cellar of the NFC West. Uh, Visa V their uh, disappointing 19 to 9 loss um, against rival division rival Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks who as a team outplayed the Cardinals um, yesterday, outcoached the Cardinals yesterday. Um, just as a, you know, one, you know, I've been talking about how it's, there's no clear evidence to me that the Cardinals prepare for opponents. because so I don't see them coming in with a plan that it directly um, attacks areas where the other team is weak or schemes, you know, where, um, where, you know, scheme plays where the scheme can be um, exploited perfect case in point to, to show how the Seahawks were, was I don't know if you recall the uh, early third you know um, first quarter um, run by Kenneth Walker um, that was a fake shotgun snap right to him when the Cardinals were um, in their classic third down try to intimidate you in the a gaps with <clears throat> Collins and Simmons um standing there uh what what the Seahawks knew in that situation I'm going to try to diagram that out this week just to show everyone um maybe I'll even find it and put it in the uh in the link in with the links was uh you know the Seahawks had trips to the right and the Cardinals were showing zone because they had everyone up on the line so they had just one man in in the zone um standing behind you know in front of those trips and they had a safety in behind so right then and there um the Seahawks knew that the Cardinals would be in one of Vance Joseph's zones and they also knew that that um predictably that the that the player in the a gap to the side of the trips was not going to blitz because he'd have to angle back to get in the zone. Otherwise, they had a huge numbers mismatch. So knowing that, you know, that little play where they snapped it directly, Geno faked like the ball went over his head, and the um, Geno Smith, and the ball was snapped uh, to Kenneth Walker, who was offset, and then he just snuck right around the, the center through the A-gap that they knew would be vacated. That was a very clever play perfectly executed went for chunk yards and you know you just knew right then that they had done their homework homework has been a a key you know meme with regard to the cardinals and once again it's really hard to discern just how much homework they're doing of opposing teams it's kind of like we're going to do what we do and keep doing it until we get it right um and unfortunately There's a lot we're not getting right, particularly on offense Um, and personnel wise. We're going to keep doing what we do, like keeping with Matt Amendola this week. Um, It's just I mean, it was mind numbing to think that they they signed him in the first place. I mean, this is you know I use the word buffoon to describe um, Steve Kine. I couldn't help it after the game. I mean. This is buffoonery that we're watching here. You know, I mean, first of all, he was the wrong kicker to hire or to sign in the interim. And, you know, it almost felt to me like, well, we don't want to hire, we want, we don't want to sign somebody too good because then we might have this kicker cont- controversy, you know, because, you know, Matt Prater's been up and down and this and that, and now he's out injured and you know we don't want to get too fancy with this so let's just let's just get some guy who's just jagged just a guy and unfortunately for Amendola, that's what he's been in fact worse than just a guy um, you know he's he's showed very little confidence and form in what you know i mean they they showed it on fox last week where he was li- missing right all you know time and time again Uh, in warmups with Jeff Rogers standing right there. And the game comes down to a 45 yarder that he has to make from that exact spot. You know, and you just think during the week, well, let's get somebody in here. We will be a little more confident with no. And I mean, I, I like Justin Pugh, but and I get his whole spiel when he butted in on the, you know, it's not his fault, but you know, and maybe that put an extra emotion into this thing that shouldn't have been there to begin with. I mean, it comes down to being able to win football games and put your team in the best position to win them. And did Steve Kime do that in this maneuver? Absolutely not. And, you know, I mean, it, and there's just so much more to the Kime situation that, I mean, put it this way, I reiterated on Twitter yesterday, I've said this for years now, um, the Cardinals will never win anything of distinction, never. Um, let alone a Super Bowl with Steve Keim as GM. It's just never going to happen. Um, he's just too um, incompetent in certain ways. He's too late to react to certain situations. Like this week, react to this kicker isn't the right guy and get in a new guy and it's just galling when you you have a guy like Matt McCrane who as a Cardinal is 10 for 10 including two two field goals over 50 yards in a Cardinals uniform Matt McCrane has not missed a single kick and you know and if you look at his numbers what he did in the in the XFL kicking in Frigid weather in February in the Meadowlands and making all of his field goals there. And the fact that he has two game balls for kicking game winners for the Raiders and for the Steelers. You know, I mean, and there, you know, he had a couple glitches there in Oakland trying to kick off the infield dirt. I think a lot of kickers might have had issues with that. He also missed a 55 yarder at the end of a half of of a first half into the wind. That um, was pretty tricky. Um, So, but put that aside and, you know, he was perfect with the Steelers. He was perfect in the X- XFL and he was perfect with the Cardinals and in NCAA's fourth time ever highest um, field goal percentage. And he, in extra points, he missed one his entire college career. And that one was blocked. So, you know, I mean, why not go with a guy who's already shown you he has a knack for being accurate? And it's just mind-blowing and, and galling that we have this level of incompetence at the, starting at the GM position. And, I, you know, I mean, how much more are we supposed to take of this, really? Um, you now, this, this cost the Cardinals two really important games. Or was a major factor in. Yes, Justin Pugh, you can't blame one guy at the end of a football game. But you can try to make the team stronger, give your, your team a better chance. And it's so frustrating that our own GM doesn't get that. And, and you know what? We're going to see Amendola again Thursday, right? I mean, unless Prater is miraculously healed. I mean, it would make sense with a hip injury that you rest him another, you know, they would get two weeks out of this. I mean, so we're probably going to see him again Thursday. Are they going to bring in a kicker today? Let's hope they do. Let's hope and pray they do. I mean, they should get another kicker on the practice squad, bare minimum. Um, But with time, you just don't know. I mean, he's just so late to react to things. It's just un. Unfathomable. Um, You know, last year at the trading deadline, week up front after losing J.J. Watt, nothing. Or we get cornerback's position, at the cornerback position, nothing. Meanwhile, the Rams go out and get, you know, richer with all the things they did. You know, I mean, what is with this guy? I mean, it's just unbelievable. Now his whole focus of the offseason was signing, getting himself and Cliff re-signed. Getting a few veterans re-signed, and a, and Kyler especially re-signed, which he was jubilant about, and then the rest of it was let's let's pick up as many compensatory picks as we can, while ignoring the cornerback position. Not only there, but in the draft, I mean, look at these Seahawks young corners; they were huge in this game. I mean, Kobe Bryant knocked the knocked. Uh, the ball out of Kyler's hand on the scramble, and Wooten, the 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 kid who's having like an unbelievable rookie season, kid, big kid six, what is he three six four, who runs a four three something, uh, made the interception. And unfortunately, Hollywood Brown came down on his, you know, he came down on Hollywood's foot, to add insult injury to insult, and now Brown's going to be out. Hopefully not for long, but, you know, who knows? He seemed pretty dejected after the game. Who could blame him? And that's one guy, I mean, I would say Hollywood Brown's been the one of the few really, really bright spots in the Cardinals' offense that they're actually using. I mean, now Greg Dorch is getting Andy Isabella. It's unbelievable. Meanwhile, you're trotting out A.J. Green, Who's clearly got issues with Kyler? I mean, there's no connection there. You're playing a ton of AJ Green who can't separate anymore. And you get this kid, Greg Dortch, who was like your leading receiver practically in three games. And then, you know, I mean, Rondell Moore comes back and Dortch is now the new Isabella. Can't get on the field, can't get thrown to, totally ignored. I mean, that the second round draft pick tight end who should be able to get open all over the place, won't even look at him, won't even throw to him. And then, of course, he jumps off sides yesterday, as did G.J. Humphreys. Humphreys had a rough game penalty-wise, had a holding call. I mean, you expect a lot more from him. He was the one who got a fat cat extension. I mean, you know, unfortunately, we lost Justin Pugh early in the game. He's a key component. But the lack of diversity in the Cardinals' offense is just so plain and clear. And the Seahawks are one of the teams that have devised ways to counter for Kyler. You know, and, and Pete Carroll's been one of them um, and have a plan. They've, they've studied this. And, and, you know, here's the thing with Kyler. Is it what in the world? I can finally score in the first quarter. I mean, there's, again, another mix-up on a key third down in the red zone that if you don't have, you know, you've had all week to get a play for this. And here's the thing too. I mean, how many times does Kyler throw into the end zone or over the sticks when you need him? It's always under, under, under. He takes the easiest path and and they're the less likely to convert. 'Cause all they have to do is make a tackle before the before the line or the end zone and it's it's blown up and guys are right there. I mean, what was that? Throwing it, you know, on a trips um to no one. And you know, Kyler says, Oh, it's just getting so hard, and you know, it's like I feel like a rookie again and it's back to rookie year to how hard it, hard it is to do things. Yeah, people have you figured out. <laughs> People have your tendencies mapped. This, this you know, dink and dunk, crawl ball offense that you're trying to pawn off every week isn't working. And because you're, you're not attacking from downfield like other teams did, which is why they were like 31st and 32nd in the league in virtually every defensive category, the Seahawks were, because teams are attacking them downfield. And you start the game again, two-yard pass, three-yard pass. And then finally, when you need to throw beyond the sticks, he airmails the ball to to Hollywood on a huge miss, and then he throws it, you know, basically near into the turf on a wide-open pass, a conversion pass to Rondell Moore, which Moore might have still been able to catch. Unfortunately, he didn't. It's very, very frustrating. But here's where it all begins, and I don't think that there's any coincidence with this. Was it after the first drive? Okay. They, you know, I still don't get, if you've got second down and one from the one and goal from one, why don't you try to run it in again? The Seahawks' run defense isn't that great. (laughs) I mean, and Eno picked up half the yardage on the first carry. Give it to him again. Get the big, strong kid, uh, you know, Keontre Ingram in there and have him plow it over. Why are you getting fancy? Reminded me of the Green Green Bay game. You're knocking on the door and what do you do on second down? You run Kyler parallel to the line of scrimmage and he loses four yards. I mean, what are you doing there? Why don't you just hand the ball off, get in a power running back situation and And scheme it up, get a fullback in there, you know, and overload a side and plow it in. I don't get it. Why do you have to get cute? And I don't know who's making that call, whether it's Kyler or Cliff, but it doesn't matter anymore. Both of them are just plain being too cute in that situation. And then you have another third down meltdown with this errant pass on third down into trips. That was just, you know, and Kyler comes off and now here's the situation. What you have is now we're told by Fox, a Fox reporter who was over there observing that Kyler, after being up three, nothing the first time all year, the Cardinals have had a lead in the first half. The first time all year, they've had a single point in the first quarter and he's hanging his head on the sidelines in his classic, classic mood totally dejected, not firing up his teammates, just kind of lost in himself to the point where Zach Ertz had to go over to him and console him and try to get his head up. And, you know, is it just pure coincidence that the Cardinals never scored another point all day? Is it just pure coincidence? I mean, this is what attitude gets you, okay? If you want to sit there and mope all game, This is what it gets you. And after four years of him not knowing this, you know, it makes you wonder, will he ever change? Will he ever get the message? You know, will he ever get the memo? It just isn't working. It's not working for him. It's not working for the entire team. It's not lifting his teammates up. Meanwhile, the defense goes out there and playing their butts off. And special teams make a great play for a second week in a row, blocking a punt for a touchdown. And Kyler's playing like a a man totally conflicted with himself and with the game. Not just himself, but with the game. I mean, you can see it in his face. You can see it in his his mannerisms. Does he look to you like a guy who's really psyched to be out there playing football? (laughs) The complete opposite. He looks thoroughly conflicted. And he does. He still looks like a rookie and he still acts like a rookie. And for him to say after the games, this reminds me a rookie year. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is how much he's regressed. I mean, it, this is nothing new. Go back post by week last year. I mean, it's, this has been a carryover. I mean, right now. So it's been 10 games since the bye week last year. And the Cardinals are three and seven and 0 for home. I mean, you know, I mean, this is a pattern, a continued pattern for a guy who made the whole offseason about his bag. Didn't show up to OTAs, hung out in Texas. Coaches had to go to him to talk him into trying to come back to the Cardinals the gm had to go out there too with the with cliff kingsbury almost like another recruiting trip you know with 2 230.5 million change your mind kyler i mean oh my goodness i mean and you make some wonder whether you know he really wanted to be in arizona in the first place i mean I, who knows what's going on with him But what we do know what's going on with him is he is not right. And he's turned into a head case, period. There's no way to spin it otherwise. Now, I'm on Twitter, and I'm interacting with folks there who have been great. But they're all, like, saying, you're blaming all this on Kyler. I'm not blaming all this on Kyler. But teams play how their quarterback plays. I mean, how did the Eagles play last night? Hurts. Did you know, did his job. Was he perfect? No. But he showed up and played and kept his head up and was tough. Under pressure too, under that, you know, wicked Cowboys pass rush, he hung in there. He did his job. You know, um, people say, well, they have way better offensive line. I'm not sure it's way... They've had some subs in there. I'm not sure it's way better. But certainly the Cardinals have a better offensive line with Justin Pugh at left guard. I mean, there's a big gap between him and the – it wouldn't be if Cody Brown was around um, necessarily. I think Cody Brown could hold his own there, and maybe even Marcus Hayes. um, They get him back next year. could be a factor there. Pugh's going to retire. But, um, you know, here's the other thing. I mean, while Kyler was in Texas, where was the offensive line? Two of them were contemplating retirement, and the rest weren't going to. They weren't going to OTAs. The rest weren't going to OTAs. So the offense is struggling like this. No OTAs. We got coaches who cancel practice. Cancel practice. Every team is banged up right now. Every team. And we've got coaches who cancel practice. And they don't value OTAs either, obviously. But listen to this, okay? What unit's playing better? The defense. Who is at OTAs? The defense. Oh, wow. Why did Buda Boat Baker choose to go to OTAs? He said it himself. I feel like I owe it to the younger players to be there. I feel like as a leader of this team, I want to be there on the field with my player, with my boys that's why you go to OTAs to get better as a group. You had, you know, JJ Watt in the building all off season with Zach Allen right next to him getting ready for the season. How they've been playing. You know, what you put in is what you get out. And it's always worked that way. You can't cut these kind of corners and expect something different. And so now, you know, I mean kudos to the defense. I mean you know, where has my Jay Sanders been all this, this time? On <laughs> Un- an inactive for the first four games? Are you kidding me? I mean, we as fans knew, knew he should be in there. We knew it. Why don't the coaches know it? I mean, that was one of the best pass rushers we've seen in two years, the one he got on his sack. And then Cam Cam um, Thomas got his first step, sack on a. Beautiful power rush that he that he shed and got to, to uh, Geno Smith. It's almost, almost as if
0: exactly what you were saying for the last five weeks came true. Because as soon as the rookies got in there, both of them made greater impacts than the players who were playing ahead of them. It's almost <laughs> as if you were exactly correct.
1: Yeah, and then everyone's saying, oh, we got to go trade, you know, like first round picks for Robert Quinn. No. Not until you know what you have on your own team. No. That would be foolish. I mean, Robert Quinn's a good player. He's having a lousy year. And, you know, when you trade for veterans like this, with the Rodney Hutchins situation, if they don't want to be here, this is what you get. I mean, you know, their allegiance is suddenly, you know, you don't get a Zach Ertz response from every guy that you trade for. I mean, Ertz was great right from the beginning. He opted to come here immediately. He could have taken a little few days off to get his things in order. He didn't. He got right on a plane and got out here. You know, and and Ertz has been um, a welcome addition. I mean, he's what he put – Ertz has been in the building. What he puts in, he gets out. But it's too bad Ertz – and look at the catch Ertz had to make on that readjustment on the great pass to him and the, up the seam. I mean, that was a, that was an inaccurate pass. I mean, Kyler's now erratic. The one thing that you could always count on him before was his accuracy. Now it's all over the map. His mechanics are horrible now. He's throwing off his back foot. I mean, he's abandoned his, his uh, mechanics. So how is this going to change? I mean, let me finish up with the defense so we give them their due props. How about Rashard Lawrence coming back from a broken hand playing in this game? What kind of an effort was that? He played outstanding in this game. I mean, look at these young players. I mean, just look at Jesse Laquita. That wasn't a penalty. This whole penalty thing on quarterbacks now is a joke. All right. He because Gino was just getting rid of the ball. And he didn't tackle through Gino and put his weight on him. He just, as he was tackling him, hit pushed him back. Unbelievable. I mean, but he was right there. This is Lakita. And you have, you know, you have now these young rushers that are exciting. But why do they only get eight and nine snaps? You know, once a guy's hot, why don't you ride him? I mean there's just this whole juggling thing going on. I don't you know, I don't know how Vance Joseph is doing this. I mean he's doing a lot of good things obviously that he's keeping the team at least in the game with what he's doing. Although we've gotten the pattern is up until the middle of the fourth quarter where they give up a you know a, a TD drive that kind of seals the game or puts it a little further out of reach. Keen on the running attack, which all three teams did uh, in the last three losses for the Cardinals. Um, you know, but you know to get them to that point. I mean, if if the Cardinals defense can keep it to twenty points or less every game, you'd think with what they've got on offense, they should be able to prevail. But you know, yesterday was just like the Nadir, the rock bottom of just incompetency. And lack of focus and lack of bounce, lack of joy, lack of, you know, every snap is an adventure. You know, it makes you nervous. Somebody's going to jump off sides. You know, of course, it always is there with the 12th man. And they did their parts, the 12th man. But, you know, I mean, there's so many better ways to play offense. Now, people who say, uh, Oh, let me finish with the defense. Let me give them their props. I mean, how about Savin Collins? Two sacks. He played maybe his best game as a pro. He is emerging as a physical force of nature. You got Isaiah Simmons. How about the coverage he, he had in this game? Um, even downfield where he knocked the ball out of uh, Metcalf's hands. I saw him chasing uh, Lockett, who didn't have a this is the first time Lockett didn't go off on the Cardinals for like 150 plus and Isaiah had a lot to do with that Marco Wilson had maybe his get best game as a cardinal. Antonio Hamilton had maybe his best game as a as a, as a cardinal. Buddha Baker was flying around. Jalen Thompson was flying around um, Byron Murphy was flying around you know again here's Murphy taking on Metcalf. look at the stats. I mean, Murphy is doing a job, man. Why there isn't a contract extension for him right now is beyond absurd. And for Zach Allen. You know, these guys are core players. Who are you going to get, you know, playing better than those guys are? So, um, in this season, they've really stepped it up. So, that was just very encouraging. And they're going to have to show up big thursday night you know the the saints are missing some pieces but they've been scoring on people you know they're score, putting up points still unlike the cardinals so the defense has to pick it up what i was really encouraged about too was the first half the defense played typically they give up a lot early on they didn't this time and they stuck to the game plan pretty pretty well all game and they they were very competitive And they really swarmed after the ball. And they got gashed a few times, but they bounced back. And, you know, um, they gave up one touchdown in the game. The touchdown kind of cost but um, at the end. But by that time, the offense should have done them favors. But getting um, over to – and then special teams, of course, had the uh, block punt. And then they had, um, week before, the fake – punt, which was great. Jeff Rogers is really good at scheming those things up. Um, and kudos to him. But whatever Rogers' input was on this Amendola thing, he too, with Kime deserves a great deal of scrutiny. Um, and, and in my opinion, criticism. Because that is totally unacceptable. That we go into another game. And Cliff, even to mention it after, it's funny how Cliff subtly throws Kime under the bus at times. It's kind of like they all do. Um, when Cliff isn't prone to doing that, but Cliff said, yeah, you know, if we had Prater, I would have made a couple of those kicks. At least two of them I would have gone for. It. I mean, look at how the GM just handic- and um, special teams coordinator just handicapped their head coach. Look at that. Look at how that was going into this game. Were they taking this game lightly? Like, oh, it's just the Seahawks. We usually win up there, and they have Geno Smith now. He stinks. Geno Smith's leading the league. <laughs> I mean, and the Seahawks, guess what they did? They show up. They show up for LTAs. Yeah. Okay. They've been planning this all year. Their coaches have been planning for the Cardinals game all year. It showed. I mean, they have. They knocked us off last year. We could have had the you know, with a losing record when when the Cardinals could have won the NFC West. And the Cardinals played with the same lack of urgency and error-prone football that we saw yesterday. I mean, at least the defense was better. Last year, Weeks 18, it was awful. I mean, Russell Wilson had, they had 14 plays of 20 yards or more in that game with the Cardinals playing for a division title. It's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I mean, and they had nothing to play, play for, but this is what Pete Carroll knows and does, is he will not concede to anything to a division rival, and he wants to plant a seed for not only the other team, but his own players were coming to play, like Herm Edwards. We played the game to win, and, you know, that's what they do. That's why, you know, people make fun of, of Pete Carroll. But the dude has a ring. He's been a winner wherever he's coached. All right. And he's a first-rate defensive coach. He's lost a lot of his ammo there, but he's gaining it back with these rookie corners. He's got a couple rookie rushers now. He's got some Puna Ford up front. Um, Jordan Brooks at linebacker. He's, he's filling back in. It's going to take a little bit. Of a while to get them just right, but yesterday they were at their very best, obviously, and the Cardinals played into it because they just never got anything going. Now, here's the big debate: is like everyone's, you know, who points the finger at Cliff. I mean, I get that it's it's a shared thing because we don't know. It would be great to. It would be fascinating if, if on um, Hard Knocks we ever got this was like hearing Cliff. Cliff call the play and then seeing if it's actually even run. Whether it's checked out of the line of scrimmage, how much of it is on Kyler. But I will tell you this, one of the things that I offered um, on Twitter yesterday was, uh, I I wrote, Cliff Kingsbury would better off coaching a college team where he can be happy running his K-Rate. Because in Arizona, he can't get the GM, Kyler, and his assistant coaches to buy into it. That renders him utterly moot. Otherwise, the most aggressive thing he does is cancel practice. And I'm sorry. I Yeah, I was pissed off. But I, you know, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury. Um, this is not his offense, people. I mean, do as I did. You'll know what I mean. If you go back and watch Texas Tech. Watch his offense at, at Texas A&M. Watch his offense at Houston with Case Keenum. Watch his offense with Johnny Manziel. Watch his offense at, at Texas Tech. I mean, and then watch, go and watch his offense in Seattle last year with Colt McCoy. You will see common denominators. Cliff Kingsbury's offense is a, is a timing, is a rhythm and timing offense. I mean, the ball has to come out at the exact time. The players know when it's coming. I mean, it's it's beautifully orchestrated for timing and rhythm. Now go watch yesterday's game on offense. Where was the timing and rhythm? No, very, almost impossible to find. I mean, there was an, wasn't enough timing and rhythm to punch the ball in the end zone once. I mean, so you know, yes, you can blame Cliff. I mean, maybe you can blame Cliff for saying, "Kyle, sorry, you're you're kind of out of it today." Colt, get in there, show us how it's done. This is show it how we run this timing, rhythm offense. But then everyone say that would be a you know outrageous for Cliff to do that. But what could Cliff do? I mean, his his quarterback has his, his head and you know down. He's in the doldrums. He's in conflict with himself. I mean, and Kyler, you know, Kyler's very stubborn. I mean, and people are calling out for a new coach, and I got an idea for that, but which I'll share with you in a minute. But you know, I mean, I, we don't know at this point just how coachable Kyler is. He turned off a bunch of the GMs and head coaches at the at the um, scouting combine because he couldn't handle himself on the, on the whiteboard and didn't look dialed in like, like other candidates. I mean, there's just this mystique about Kyler that we don't understand. I mean, just how coachable is, is he? Lincoln Riley will say, oh, he's the most coachable kid ever. He's going to say all that. Um, but Kyler also had three years to learn that offense before he got, got his chance. So let's not forget that. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, he just showed up and started playing like that. He was, and he, you know, and there were probably reasons why Riley would have kept Baker Mayfield, who's clearly not as talented, in, you know, in front of Kyler, which he did for the whole time Mayfield was there. Um, so, you know, that's kind of mystifying, but I don't know what happened there or whatever. It doesn't matter. What does matter now is, you know, who has a handle on whether Kyler is actually coachable? Because right now, I mean, he has regressed. I mean, he's right. Rookie season. I mean, and this has been going on for 10 games. It's not like a short-term funk. This is a long-term slump. And, you know, the f- thought of, you know, the six games in, the Cardinals have three points of total production in first quarters. It's just unthinkable. I mean, and you know, people want to put that all on Cliff. I guess, I, and I think she certainly Cliff will take it. He's always accepted it, and that's part of Cliff. And he's gonna, you know, fall on his sword for everyone especially for Kyler, who he says is the only quarterback I really want to coach. You know, because um, when Kyler's at his best, few few are can he rival him. But, you know, you got to get Kyler at his best. And we're getting Kyler kind of at his worst. And um, something's going on there. But I think it goes back to preparation. This whole offseason hasn't been right from the get-go. And it's hard to change bad habits. And it's hard to change. You can't get back those practices in the in the um, OTAs. You can't get back the practice they gave up last week. You can't get back the practice they canceled right after cuts were made when they could have had new, their new guys all together for the first time, which is still, to me, um, a fireable offense for the whole organization. I mean, you're just going to take days off like that. You know, don't play with us. I mean, we're we're educated enough as fans to know, you know, when you're being a wuss organization. And and that's what this is right now. It's a wuss organization that reacts too late to anything that ever happens, doesn't make adjustments, doesn't react, you know, like, you know, totally numb, and then doesn't value such time honored traditions as practice and rehearsals and getting things right and getting everyone on the same page, which this offense clearly is not. I mean, if if you looked at it at AJ Green this year, it was as it, it would be you'd have to make the argument that he and Kyler have never played together. Because this is just beyond bizarre there's no chemistry there whatsoever and kyler did get some chemistry going with dorf dorch excuse me dorf with dorch he, he's getting andy isabella you know and Cleve steve climb who is you know just Unbelievable in how so many former Cardinals can't stand this guy, and with good reason. I mean, what he said about Andy Isabella is just unconscionable to me. Well, he didn't produce. Oh, he didn't produce. Well, you could say that about Greg Dortch, couldn't you, for the last two games? He didn't produce. So cut him. He didn't produce. He didn't produce because he wasn't on the field. You didn't give him a chance. And when he did have a chance of playing the most snaps he ever had in three games, he had two touchdowns and like 190 yards. And then you benched him. So he didn't give you enough production. You did not play him in the games. How can you have production if you don't play him in the games? And this is just the other proof. What is it with Kyler that he can only throw to two guys? Or three guys. What is it with that? You know, great ways to beat other defenses is attack their third and fourth corners where you have mismatches. I mean, Dorch would dust those guys. I mean, the two rookies are playing at a high level. How about getting Dorch matched up with their cornerback three or one of their safeties? He would have dusted them. Instead, we don't even see Dorch. He's out of sight, out of mind so frustrating so you know what are you gonna do about it I mean now you get DeAndre Hopkins coming back today um they should have a practice today I mean you got to do something here but you know I mean yes it's a game day after game but this is what the schedule dictates you should have a really good practice today you're gonna get the People's heads back in the game. you got to get the focus back. And the seven-game home losing streak, or was it eight games now? Wait a minute. Five and three. It's eight games now. Eight games. It's half a season. So you had an eight-game home losing streak. You got national TV. I mean, you know, these Thursday night games have been yawners. Could the Cardinals put on a show? Well, they're going to have to get their act together in in a hurry. And, you know, I mean, with the way their habits have been, it's hard to imagine they will. I mean, who's going to be the kicker, too? It's hard to imagine personnel-wise what's going on. I mean, it's just so bizarre, too. It almost like the football gods are punishing the Cardinals again for – you know, now going finally getting Hopkins back, Brown is out. Unbelievable.
0: Could I bring up one point about the Cliff and Kyler thing that you were talking about earlier?
1: Absolutely.
0: So I remember first realizing this in the 2021 draft when we knew for months that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the number one pick for the Jaguars. Um, most scouts and most like people doing analysis on television or podcasts – they didn't really do X's and O's analysis of Trevor Lawrence. Cause once we knew he was going to be the number one pick, we kind of just like said, okay, it's set in stone. We're not really going to talk about that. Cause we know what the result is right. And then, like three weeks before the draft, it was confirmed with, uh, you know, reporting within the weeds that the, the jets were going to take Zach Wilson. And as soon as that became confirmed, all the conversation moved to pick number three. So once it was already concluded that that was going to be the case, we kind of stopped talking about it. I think that kind of applies here, where if Kyler hadn't gotten the contract extension, I think all the conversation this week would be about Kyler's contract and franchise tags and all sorts of stuff. But Kyler's going to be Arizona's quarterback through at least the next, at least through the end of 2024. They could theoretically get out of his contract after 2025 with like a $35 million dead cap hit if they were to trade him. So theoretically they could, if things go really poorly, but I think because Kyler is 100% going to be the Cardinals quarterback through this year and the two seasons after the only fall guy is Cliff Kingsbury. So I think people have criticisms about Kyler Murray. It's just, there's no way he's not going to be the quarterback. So he gets the, he gets the chance to work through it. He's going to get seasons to work through these concerns and, you know, the Cardinals might get rid of the coach, get rid of the general manager, one or the other, and then rebuild around Kyler Murray and give him two seasons to work through his problems. Whereas the coach, Cliff Kingsbury, I know they just got extensions, but there's not the same cap ramifications. Those guys are going to not get the chance to work through their problems. And, and ultimately, that's the change that's going to try and right the ship.
1: So what's your question?
0: Oh, that wasn't, I just, that was the point there. So, do you think that the the fact that everyone's piling on Cliff Kingsbury coming out of this is more so not necessarily giving Kyler the benefit of the doubt? Or, yes. It's that people are, you think that that's more they're giving Kyler the benefit of the doubt, or more as like we've kind of been resigned to the fact that we know Kyler's going to get the chance to work through the problems. And yeah, Cliff's the person we can point
1: to. Yes. I mean, Cliff's. Okay perfect, he's the perfect fall guy because he'll fall on the sword himself. He'll take it mm-hmm. all. I mean, I can't imagine Cliff Kingsbury being happy in Arizona. Maybe with his villa, which now is a meme with Pete Carroll sitting in the seat. Or <laughs> it's also a meme with Cliff sitting there with a U-Haul now out by the torches. Um, you know, but I uh, I mean, it's hard to know where Cliff's head is. I mean, Cliff is – he's a mystique too. He's in a riddle wrapped in an enigma. I mean, I for the life of me still can't understand why last year at the top, being at the top of the NFL, being now ha- seeing his name in the top five of NFL coaches, you know, and having the number one team in the NFL – this fricking Oklahoma rumor comes out and he doesn't nip it in the bud and says, it's not, you know, um, I don't get into things like this. I mean, he had players calling him Cliff for you. Actually, you know, that distraction, that's a coach who doesn't understand distractions. I mean, that's a major distraction. Just when you can least afford to have a major distraction, and he doesn't nip it in the butt. He still hasn't. He never responded and left it up in the air. I mean, he lost a, me as a fan right then. Right then. That and at the LA game the year before, when he called a read option on third and eighteen with a with a hurt quarterback, and then punted on fourth down. Um that was the biggest give up wuss thing I've ever seen from a coach. So I mean, Cliff is, uh, you know, for those who've criticized saying Cliff Kingsbury's soft, we're seeing it right now. I mean, there's not a an adult running the program there. There's not a man's man running the program there. See, was doesn't stand up, um, you know, to uh, to people. Um, he doesn't stand up for standards um, either. He create helps to create and enable double standards. And anywhere in a workplace, those of you who've worked in places where some employees get perks that others don't, and, um, and it's not fair that they do, you know what it does to the morale of a company. Well, NFL teams are the same way. And so, you know, whatever favoritism certain guys get, some people get the red carpet, some people don't. It's always a story of the haves and have-nots. And ideally, you know, like you go back to Vince Lombardi, and you can even see it in Belichick, every player's treated the same way. You don't create double standards. Um, And, you know, those guys were no-days-off guys. I mean, Belichick is. Look what he's doing over there now with a guy I was praying the Cardinals would draft, Bailey Zappi, who would be great with Cliff. He'd run a Cliff offense. I think now I've seen enough to know Kyler will never run a Cliff offense. It's just not – it's not something that, you know, he embraces. Um, And I'm not sure what kind of offense Kyler will run because he's so reluctant to use his legs – Visa, visa, bootlegs, waggles, the kind of things you would expect. Any coach would want out of Kyler. Um, but I don't think, I mean, there's enough evidence to suggest now he's never going to take to a, um, a, a rhythm and timing offense like Cliff's. And so I don't know what you do with that from here. Um, you know, now, I mean, the one name that's come up is Sean Payton. Uh, for Sean Payton to be in Arizona, I think you'd have to offer him a Belichickian autonomy gig. Um, let him. And be we team. have the
0: report confirmed that Miami offered him four years, a hundred million dollars when he retired and kind of unretired. And the Tom Brady thing that went down that led to tampering, it was twenty five million a year to get him out of retirement.
1: Yeah, well, is Bill Will going to write a check like that? Probably not, but maybe he's at the point where he knows he's got, you know, now he's he's fully committed to Kyler, like you said, for the next few years. I mean, one thing I would say to you is that uh, you know, I mean, with, with Peyton, what you get is his experience of working with shorter quarterbacks and Turning him into all, all pros, so you know, with the breeze experience and this and that, um, you know, breeze was really gritty, though. I mean, Kyler's got to, you know, I mean, I think maybe could the right coach, you know, turn this on in Kyler? I mean, I hope so. I mean, is Cliff doing it? No, it's clear, it's not happening. <laughs> I mean, Jason Fora wrote the article for Sporting News or whatever. It was right on the money. That's um, The Cliff Kyler show is not working. And there are quotes from everyone around the league explaining exactly why. They're too stubborn or arrogant or whatever. They don't really game plan. They just do what they do. It's over and over and over um, doing the same things. Um, it's flat now. Um, other teams know all the patterns, so they're you know they've prepared for this. That's the thing and when you get in the pros, professional guys know how to take your bread and butters away. Um, and you know they spend the off season making sure of that. So you have to have new wrinkles. you have to have you have to be have, have a system that's constantly evolving. You have to really practice, and, uh, you know, get re- well rehearsed um, in what, you know, in in during the weeks. Um, they can't just be walkthroughs. I mean, you have to practice. You have to break a sweat. You've got to get out there and earn it. Um, and, um, you know, so, but twenty-five mil, f- I, I don't know if Bidwell would ever go there or whether he'd relinquish control the organization to one man but if there was one man you'd want to do it for i would imagine it's it's it would be sean payton with his experience he has a ring he's one wherever he's been he's from the parcells coaching tree which you know i mean he'd bring a level of toughness and tenacity that this program is missing right now on the offensive side of the ball um you know but uh If it's not Peyton, uh, you know, I don't know. There's probably going to be teams getting in a bidding war. I think because of Kyler, Peyton, it could draw Peyton's interest. Um, I think he's always been kind of fascinated with Kyler. And I think he he sees right now where Kyler's struggling. And I bet you if we asked him, he'd have some answers as to what Kyler would need to do. I'm sure, you know. I mean, he's not going to divulge those over the air. So, um, you know, that'd be an interesting thing. Or, you know, if he's not doesn't want to do the GM thing, he could bring his choice of GM. I mean, he I don't can envision Peyton coming here with Steve Kime as GM or or an in-house replacement. You'd have to have a real veteran, savvy GM who's got to turn the image of this program around i mean under Kime it's it's taken pr hit after pr hit after pr hit with guys leaving trashing the organization the way he's treated them you know trading jo- josh rosen and never even calling him i mean kymans you know i, I don't want to swear but yeah, all the way on
0: down to this year with the homework clause controversy that was just a black eye on the whole organization.
1: It was comical because the whole organization is suffering from a lack of doing homework. I mean, this is like the wasted, most wasted off season. And I feel bad saying that because it wasn't for the defensive guys and for guys like James Conner, who unfortunately is hurt, and Jack Ertz, who were in the building, and guys working out, but mostly it was the defensive players um, who were getting with Buddy Morris and JJ Watt and Zach Allen. They really, you know, Buddha said they were like a band of brothers and, and working out. And, you know, they were there for OTAs um, like Buddha. They have leadership on that side of the ball. And Connor's the closest thing we have leader to leadership on the offensive side of the ball. I don't get D.J. Humphreys as a leader. I never will. Um, he's a great guy, really funny guy, and, a, you know, a gregarious guy. But he doesn't strike me as a leader who's going to, you know, be there for you and in the in the clutch. Of, um, uh, but I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I do like him, but he's just erratic. Um but he's a a guy I could see why they, 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 you know, vote for him because he's so likable and, you know, he's makes it real when you talk to him. Um, and he's funny as hell, but, uh, in terms of captains, I don't know. Um, uh, you would think Rodney Hudson would have been one, but boy, oh boy. I mean, it's just shown. He just, this is a guy who really didn't want to be here and it's shown, um, and uh, it's, it's, it's sad because this, this guy was uh, at one time right in the discussion of being best center in the NFL. That's not happening. Um, maybe he makes it back this week. Sean Harlow played pretty well, in my opinion. Yes, he got backed into Kyler on one play, but Kyler could have avoided that. Um, that happens sometimes, particularly to centers. Um, if they lose their base, quickly with if they get leveraged off the snap. And Kyler's snaps were so predictable. I mean, what's this with the right left guard facing Kyler before the snap? And then he turned I mean he's making the calls. Um and then they snap it. You know, as a as a silent count, it gives it away every time. Because they snapped it every time the left guard turns back into the line. They snap the ball. I mean, it's giving it away. I mean, what is that? Who does that? I, I don't get it. Was that Kyler's idea? Cliff's? Uh, Sean Coolers? Maybe Coolers? I don't know. But but yeah. Uh, one other thing before I get to a few questions that some some my friends on Twitter uh, have, have have been asking. Here's another name for you that's pretty interesting to me is Mike LaFleur, the Jets offensive coordinator. He's 35. Um, I don't know if you are watching the Jets, but their offense is so creative and um, particularly in how LaFleur uses his running backs. I mean, those two running backs he's got going now um, with uh, uh, who's the kid from Iowa state. God, I love him. Um, uh, Brees Hall, yeah, Brees Hall. Oh my god, um, he's playing lights out. So is the kid Michael Carter from North Carolina, they got the year before. They are like dialing up plays, creative plays for them. They're just so so um clever and well well designed. Also, the passing game under him, I noticed last year with different quarterbacks being shuffled in because of the injuries. You know, he got some good quarterback play from, you know, guys like Mike White. I mean, imagine what he could do with Kyler. I mean, plus he's from the Shanahan coaching tree. His brother is the coach in Green Bay. I mean, it's in his DNA. And I think whoever comes in here should be with a fresh GM. I mean, it all starts at the GM. And there's a guy in that organization, Rex Hogan, who's their assistant GM who is one of according to Adam Schefter the most coveted personnel man in the NFL. I mean look at how the Jets have been crushing the drafts. Oh my god. I mean Sauce Gardner, I mean you go up and down the you know yes they've been you know have pick, picking early. But you still have to crush it. And and their coaches play their rookies unlike ours um, right off the bat it's expected um and I think Lafleur would as well. So a combo there with Hogan coming in as GM and Mike Lafleur as uh, as head coach could be a really fascinating um, scenario for the Cardinals if if uh, things keep going the way they if they are. I don't know how Michael Bidwill can justify um, his. Um, million investment in a quarterback who I said hadn't earned it yet. And I will stand by that. Um, He still hasn't earned it. It was too much too soon. And there's something to do. And I was arguing this from the start. And believe me, I don't want to be right about this. Believe me. I wish I was here like, boy, I was wrong, man. Kyler's crushing it. And how foolish of me to think that they shouldn't have redone this deal. Or giving him $230.5 million. What an idiot I was. I'd love to be saying that right now. I, I swear to God. I In cases like this, I don't want to be right. I want to be wrong. But here was the factor that I brought up last year too. That, that, that people underestimate. Is the enormity of a contract like that. And what it does to a player trying to live up to it. And the bullseye it puts on the players back when he made the whole off season about him, not within your own organization, but around the league. And if you pulled pundits around the league, their thoughts about Kyler, I mean, I watch ESPN live every day. They, they're, they're kind of disgusted with it. Mina Kimes is like, what is going on here? I mean, and I don't blame her. She's brilliant by the way, but, um, and, uh, man, it's just so frustrating. But there's the thing is that, you know, it's it's something that, that trying to live up to a contract like that. Plus, I mean, Josh Rosen, when he was uh, interviewed, having been picked 10th by the Cardinals who traded up for him, immediately talking about winning multiple Super Bowls in Arizona. And I was cringing because that's the last thing you want to do. You don't want to put that on yourself yet. You know, you want to think it, but you don't want to say it. I mean, I I come from an area where it's Belichickian to not even mention the word Super Bowl until you're in it. I mean, there's a superstition there. And I I believe in the football guides, and I believe in that superstition. You don't really talk about it until you're there because otherwise it's pure folly. You dream it. You think about it. You think about it all the time. You dedicate your whole offseason to it, not just your contract, but to that pursuit. And it's not an individual pursuit. It's a pursuit you have to win as a team. So you do it all together. You know, the great teams do. Um, but the enormity of, you know, I mean, Kyler has to know that he hasn't earned it yet. He's, can't look at himself in the mirror and go I'm a top three quarterback I really am. I mean he has to know and that's why he's so in conflict with himself I think is that he's not sure even how good he can be in this league. he just laughed the game yesterday saying it's so hard it's so hard. Well it's so hard because you know what the only way to beat the hard is through hard work. You can't be cutting corners. You can't be calling off practices. You can't be not showing up as a leader to OTAs. You know, you have to embrace the grind and and pull all your teammates together and be grinding like brothers, a band of brothers together. And this offseason, there was divides. Some guys were in there, you know um forming the bond. Some guys weren't. And it's, you know, it's interesting that is it pure coincidence that the quarterback was not there and neither was the offensive line. And after six games with a $230.5 million quarterback and a coach who was renewed for five years and with virtually the whole exact same line back and the addition of Hollywood Brown and the emergence of Greg Dortch, and the drafting of Trey McBride, and the re-signing of Ertz and Connor, that this offense has scored three points in the first quarter in six, gra- in six games. And then, if you look at their totals by halftime, they're just as worse. I mean, I mean, just as confusing, just as like, whoa. So, let's take a look here. At some of the questions. Um, really appreciate. Um, Sneaky Jobu um, was writing a lot of stuff uh, really good. He said, uh, Cliff's not setting up the deep shots to Hollywood. Set it up better instead of Kyler trying to force it to Hollywood and the safety over the top. I've been saying that from the start. You've got to plant the seeds early, threaten T-vents as deep. Um, Otherwise, they're just going to keep playing up and up like like, you're just going to play into the defense's hands. Like, crawl ball is playing within a 10- to 20-yard rectangle. Like, nothing goes beyond that. And everything's under the sticks. Um, Sneaky Joe Boo said, you know, move Hop and Hollywood across the root tree and line them up everywhere. Exactly. So you have to line them up in in motion so they don't get jammed the line of scrimmage. If you want free releases, you can do stacks with them, too, where they rub off the stack in short motion. Yep. So make him hard to locate. That's what I say about Kyler, too. Make it hard to locate Kyler. If, they, if a coach ever does that, he's going to be so much harder to defend. This is what's become banal and trite and stale about the Cardinals' offense is teams know exactly where Kyler is every play. And now we're seeing the results of that. And, you know, they know how to tee off. They know how to contain him. And they know how to rattle so, you know, changes should be coming there, but with this crew, I don't – is change ever really going to happen? I don't know. Not, uh, Jefferson Lankford, uh, my good friend there, uh, not sure why you would sign a kicker who can't kick, and the coach who won't use in kicking situations. Um, bingo. Just unbelievable that we had to go through this for two weeks. Um, uh, sneaky Jabu said again boot wag, boot, Boots and waggles are intentionally left out Since Kyler obviously hates this You'd have to I think that is a reasonable conclusion Because You know, no coach Including Cliff Kingsbury If you go back and watch As I've been saying If you want to see the last time the Cliff Kingsbury offense look like a Kingsbury offense for the Cardinals, go back to the Seattle game last year with Colt McCoy quarterback. Watch how Cliff moved Colt, the like near 40-year-old Colt around. Um, it's the disparity, and watch the timing of the of the passing plays and the rhythm that Colt was able to generate on long drives. You'll see, and just, just pre-snap is so much smoother. Just getting the ball snapped and out. The tempo's cleaner. That's the thing about Cliff, too. It's all about tempo. This tempo is so erratic, and Kyler screeches it to a halt a lot with his, you know, um, delays of just standing there, reading, trying to read the defense and make audibles, taking the clock down to two or three or one. Yeah, so, um, simplify the reads for Kyler. Um, since teams are playing loads of nickel and zone versus versus us, Kyler is not processing his progressions. And an NFL pass rush does not allow him pocket time to sit and dissect the D more timing routes, crossers, natural rubs. So all of that timing routes, crossers, natural rubs, like the, the crosser, the mesh play, the classic me, classic mesh play, which is a K rate staple. We're not even seeing that anymore. That's weird. We have perfect guys to do it. Imagine Dortch and and Rondale running mesh plays. Oh my goodness, gives me goosebumps to think of it. I'm not seeing it, um, and you know those are the classic kind of air raid spread um, plays. But we're not seeing those. So that's why it's not really Cliff's Cliff's offense. But here's the other thing. Um, I like this comment be, from Sneaky Joe Boo because. Um, Because here's the thing, I mean, it may be Cliff will have to go back and do what he did with Johnny Manziel, who had these issues, and Manziel Manziel wasn't a big, you know, he was a smaller quarterback. His thing with Manziel, which led to his Heisman Trophy, was and you know Manziel had special um, mobility, nothing like Kyler necessarily, but he was real slippery and could move around was Cliff had um, his instruction to Manziel was hit, read one in stride. If you don't (coughs) go, in other words, create, you know, right away, find a crease and get out of there, get out of the pocket. And now you have run pass options because you can either tuck it in and run it. Kyler did that some yesterday but he was late doing it It cost him a few times um, when he held on too long. And um, some of those sacks were, by the way, were pressures were more on Kyler than they were in the offensive line. I know everyone wants to blame the offensive line, but you know, Kyler was late reacting Um, a couple of times. He looked like Daniel Jones, um, which isn't like Kyler. I don't know what he was thinking, but um, you know, you got to, so, if you simplified it that way, wow. Imagine what could happen. It's, uh, you know, um, Kyler getting out and doing his thing, um, getting out of the pocket sooner rather than getting penned in it. I think that would be interesting to do. The other thing is with deep passes, no team can get to Kyler before. If you take a ball and a shotgun, catch, one, two, three. Step back, and you have to let it go with the speed guys. No one's going to sack that. Now, it's better to throw up the sidelines um, on go routes, uh, or if you're getting a zero look with no one's over the middle, then you can throw the posts. But you know, um, I think you could do. Here's one thing with Kyler's arm: you could do is a roll, sprint out right, and throw a backside deep post to like um, Rondale Moore, who could outrun everyone and get behind the free safety. You could always do that um, and lay it out there. I don't know why they're not taking deep shots. That's a huge thing they need to address. Um, and Now, unfortunately, we're going to have to do it without uh, Brown, it looks like, for a while. And we'll have to pray and. Cross our fingers that he's going to be okay and back sooner rather than later. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it would seem to me that if you can simplify some things for Kyler right now, it could really help him out. Um, let's see here. This is on uh, Nathan Rabena. This is on Bidwell for extending Cliff and Kime when neither deserved it. Not getting an argument thus far on that one, especially kind for me. I mean, what canalizes me is I've seen Cliff now win with Colt McCoy. Imagine what he could do if, if they're running his offense. I mean, this isn't his offense. It's portions of him, but not run the way that he designs it and within the timing and tempo and rhythm. Um, And then the other nuances that he shows when, you know, like even we saw nuances of that with uh, with Trace McSorley um, in the preseason, particularly in that Bengals game. Um, I was like, whoa. I mean, that was a that would look like Kingsbury's offense, the tempo of it, the running of it, the intricacies, the nuances of it. <clears throat> okay, so Math 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 Mathias Guiste writes: uh, Brian Dayball came into the Giants organization and turned that franchise around immediately. Well, it's four seasons with Cliff, and season four is the worst of them all. I think you guys don't understand what it, what it is a coach does for team. Well, Matthias, uh, thank you for writing that. Uh, you know, I I was recommending Brian D'Abel four years ago. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I really had an eye on him from the start. So, you know, it's no surprise to me that he's, you know, it is a little bit of a surprise that he's get, got the Giants at five and one. But I knew he would come in and, um, you know, it was, one can make the argument, argument that daniel jones is playing better more winning football than kyler murray um and look at what dayball's done with him i'm mean, imagine what dayball could be with kyler but we're not going to get to see that um, but it's a great point um <clears throat> or this is actually robert um or rosa Yeah, Robert Orisoko wrote that with Mateus Giusti um, giving it a like. Good job. I think that's the point. Um, Coaching does make a difference. The question for me is, uh, you know, is Kyler coachable? That's that's what I'd want to know. Soul Pancakes, uh, one of my best friends. Uh, wrote other posts he wants cliff gone and so do i but we're not giving kyler a pass when he got the contract he wanted and did all the off-season drama you have to deliver on that and kyler has missed throws made bad decisions those aren't on the coaching they're on him i agree with that <clears throat> um of course soul pancakes and myself been talking about this a long time, and we're pretty much on the same page. Um, So, yeah. um, I mean, Cliff didn't fumble yesterday. You know, it's the old. He didn't under... Rondale Moore. He didn't throw that bizarre pass out of bounds on third and and goal from the five in the first quarter. I mean, I can guarantee you Cliff didn't, you know, diagram that. I mean, he didn't airball or sail it over Hollywood Brown's head on a key conversion fourth down. I mean, those are things you'd expect Kyler to make. And um, you know, Soul Pancake said, and when you mentioned Kyler's development, you're referring to coaching. When you mentioned he has regressed, it's because it's because of coaching. So you're taking the blame back off Kyler and putting on Cliff. And neither Walter or myself is saying Cliff is blameless. Read this. No, Cliff's got to stand up and create standards. And if he doesn't like what he's seeing, he's got to take the player out of the game. And people say, kick Kyler out of the game. Sometimes that's what it takes. I mean, sometimes if you're not getting what you need, you say, watch, this is how I want it done you put in another player and hopefully that player delivers. And then you, you know, so, I mean, you would hate to get to get to that point, but when is this going to change? You know, and, you know, people would say, well, you run the risk of losing Kyler completely when you do that. If that's the case, I don't think Kyler's, you know, got the makeup. You know, you gotta, you gotta be able to, be tough on yourself to the point of you know motivating yourself not getting in the dumps and the doldrums
0: I will say based on precedent if you make that move and it doesn't work out you will not get to coach another game with the team is basically the conclusion because the only time I can think of something like that is with Ben McAdoo and the Giants where it's like you can make the call, and you risk it's such a giant risk that you're risking your job if yeah. it doesn't work out.
1: No, right. I get that. I mean, but get coaches who want to win. And they're not getting, you know, you can't keep watching this over and over without doing something. So coach it, do whatever it takes, so you don't have to do that. But watching this all over again, week after week after week, it's got gotten to the point where it's just revolting, and it, it's you know it's caused all sorts of anxiety for Cardinal fans because this is nothing like any of us um, were expecting this year. Well, those of us who weren't worried about how this postseason preseason went.
0: I mean, Having I, the same I, offensive rating as the Patriots and Steelers was not on the on the board this year.
1: <laughs> well, Patriots with Zappy are playing way better. Zappi's oh, yeah. a rhythm and timing
0: that, thrower. That, that, yeah. I was using Football yeah. Outsiders DVOA rankings, which is like yeah. kind of it, it, it. takes into account like circumstance a little bit more. But Patriots are twenty-two, Cardinals twenty-three, Steelers twenty-four in yeah. terms of offensive ranking this year.
1: Yeah, and the the Patriots have Matt Patricia as OC, which is fascinating. Um, I think now he's getting a little more props, but there was national and local scrutiny and all kinds of doubt about this decision by Belichick. But uh, Zappi's making uh, making Patricia look like a genius. On the other side of the ball, you know, um, typically Patricia, Patricia was defensive. But, um, you know, um, so Robert Taylor, last one I'm going to read here, um, says uh, maybe Cliff's been figured out offense has this offense has no sustained rhythm to even start games. What's being scouted during the, what's being scouted during the week and scripted. Exactly. Cliff is a loser. He's lucky. He's only played teams once. He only played teams once a year in college. Sad thing is it didn't matter. Well, that was a little harsh, but, um, but I get it. Um, yeah. Uh, Cliffson Enigma, I don't, I don't I don't understand him. But I mean as a as an offensive coach, as someone who knows his stuff, it's great to have a guy like that in the organization. Trust me. But, so, you know, the but. but it renders his his talents moot if he can't run if if the quarterback and his coaches don't enable him to run the kind of offense that he knows is going to work. And the whole point of this was hiring Cliff to, you know, get big numbers on offense and hiring Vance Joseph to get the defense strong enough, um, you know, um, to uh, help them prevail in games. And we've got the defense trending in that direction, but the offense is just somehow – ridiculously getting worse, so something's got to change. You got a quick turnover until you know, quick few days until um, Thursday's game. Um, boy, it'd be a great turning point in this season to get the often you know the the eight game root losing home losing streak over with, plus some little momentum going back in your favor. And the amazing news is, is you're only one game out of first place in the NFC West. I mean, all the great things for the Cardinals happened yesterday. I mean, the Rams, um, when, except the Rams winning, but the Rams only won to get to 3-3. Three to three, but the 49ers lost. The Bucks lost. I mean, you know, uh, there was... Green Bay lost to the Jets. Green Bay lost to the Jets. I mean, that's why I love this the thought of Mike LaFleur, keep you know that's something I with Rex Hogan as, as GM. I think they could even talk Rex into keeping Quentin and A and dub because they do a good job um, and but they he would you know um, put put them in his system. Um, but uh, yeah, I like what, I like what they're doing. The other guy that's a little interesting to me is Ken Dorsey. Uh, in Buffalo, 41 years old, former uh, Miami Hurricane quarterback who was like maybe the best one there ever. Um, <clears throat> close to it. Yeah, uh, you know, he had that meltdown in the press box. <laughs> um, maybe that's what we need. <coughs> Coaches throwing tablets. Um, you know, maybe we need that kind of fire, but he's doing a heck of a job picking up where um, Brian Dable left off in Buffalo. I don't know if you saw that Buffalo's come from behind, win over the chiefs yesterday, but boy, you know, Dorsey's doing a great job with that offense, Uh, you know, and he's got a great background, you know, that's someone that down the line could be a head coach one day, maybe sooner rather than later. So, but anyway, um, And one more thing, I'll just, you know, I know this will be controversial to say, but if this thing continues the way it's going and the Cardinals have a top three pick, I think it's going to be an interesting decision with the quarterbacks that are sitting there. Um, um, You know, Bryce Young, oh, my God. I mean, do yourself a favor, go watch Bryce Young. Go watch... um, uh, the kid Hooker from how about Hooker from Tennessee this weekend? Oh my god, and that and and the kid Hyatt, how about that tandem? Oh my goodness, I jokingly wrote a Twitter. Not too many people got this, but if you saw the game, you'll know what I mean. Because Hooker was the quarterback, Hyatt was the receiver, and the game was being played in Tennessee. So I said, for those of you who bet on Tennessee, wait a Book a hooker at a Hyatt in Knoxville. <laughs> so maybe I'm the only one cracking up at that. <laughs> that kid Hyatt was unbelievable in that game. Five touchdowns against Alabama. Who who would have thunk it? So but anyway. Uh, but there are quarterback candidates up there that this year that are pretty CJ Stroud. Go check him out. The next time you watch Ohio state and, and come Probably back to win the Heisman trophy. Yeah. Come back saying making, so your homework, I'm going to give everyone some homework. Watch those guys, Bryce young, CJ Stroud, Herndon hooker. Um, and et Al, because there are others, uh, that are right up there. Um, and with a ton of talent and make the case of why Kyler's better. So far, in my watching of Bryce Young, I think Young is clearly the better player um, all around. Um, quicker release, much quicker release. Um, but anyway, we could get into the details to that of that sometime. Same thing with Stroud. Uh, bigger, stronger, you know, has a full package. Love it. Hooker is dynamic, too. I mean, wow, what a game he had against Bama. Um, and I've saw I haven't seen a quarterback carve up Bama like that, maybe ever. Um, not in eons of Nick Saban defense, so so anyway, um, keep an eye on that. Do your home, see, see if you can convince yourself that if one of those three guys is sitting there when the Cardinals draft next year, you know, the Cardinals have a precedent of this, but you know, um, would the would they be a better choice? And we don't know who the coach is going to be or the GM, but I think that still would be an interesting consideration if Kyler continues on this path and they want to trade him um, or look for a trade. So, I mean, I hope, like I said, I want to be wrong. I want to be, you know, like Kyle said, we can expect Kyler to be the quarterback for the next three years. And, you know, I just think he needs – professional um coaching uh, that he's not getting and i think he needs to show he can embrace it and be coached um when that happens you know hopefully it would be within the system and he smells the coffee and starts embracing cliff's offense and they start working together and they start getting this back right that would be the ideal scenario but if it continues along this line something's got to give and um with me, I would hope it would start at the GM. Um, it's got to give. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Kyle Edbetter. Um, good luck to his Padres. For all of you, have a good week and get psyched up. The Red Sea for Thursday night um, for primetime game. Um, boy, it would be sweet to get back on the winning track at home. Um, in that environment, really put together a good game. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Let's let's see if we can will this team to win. Um, um, not only Thursday night, but from here on. Let's let's. Uh, you know, I haven't lost hope. I'm discouraged, like everyone. But um, and but uh, you know, hopefully they will show up big time, and that the red red rain will shower down into the red red sea. Red Reignes.